0: Welcome back to another week of Pitches Be Crazy. I am your host, Lily Schumacher. Uh, This is pretty much your go-to place for any and all MLB talk every week. Just getting updated on what are the standings, what are some big headlines in the league, and you know, maybe some other topics, some other things that come to mind. So I think we have a fun episode lined up today. And without further ado, let's get into standings. All right, all right, all right. So, let's go through in our usual way. We're starting in the American League with the AL East. So, in the AL East, Yankees, what a shock, uh, still leading the division. They have a 62-26 and record and are 14 games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. So, it's pretty significant at this point. But, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the pack kind of fights here. Because then as we have it. The Blue Jays are fifteen and a half games back. As are the Red Sox. And the Orioles are 17 and a half games back. They have been I mean kind of on a kind of on a hot streak, I'd say, recently. And we're seeing something that's really, really interesting with that team. Uh the Orioles are on a 10 I think 10 game winning streak or last time games they've won, which is just ridiculous. And This is something where I've talked about it before, but we knew that AL East was going to be a strong division, but it's really, really just showing that nobody's here. Nobody here is a fake. Everybody here is really in it to fight, but moving on, I'll talk a little bit more about that later because I kind of wanted to provide an update from something I did talk about, I think, last week or the week before, which also, my apologies, I was not on last week because. I was traveling back and forth in Wisconsin to Chicago and had to go to a wedding, and it was a great time. But, you know. AL West, uh, currently the Astros maintaining control. Uh, They are 11 games ahead of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, The Texas Rangers are 15 and a half games uh, behind behind the Astros in first. And the Angels are 19 games back. The Oakland A's are a disappointing 28 and a half games back so not great not the best thing to not the best thing but they're i guess you know hanging in there the best they can um, in the al central the minnesota twins hanging on to that first spot um behind them is the cleveland guardians and the guardians are four and a half games back uh the white Sox are making it close being five games back Tigers are 11 and a half games back, and the Kansas City Royals are 13 games back. So, still kind of crazy to see the Twins in control of that division, but Guardians and White Sox are neck and neck, so we're going to have to see how that shakes out as we enter the All-Star break. I'm going to be really curious to see that. In the NL East, it's another you know fairly tight division up at the top. The Mets have a record of 55 and 34, uh, and the Braves are two and a half games behind the Mets. So, pre- keeping it close, the Mets' lead in the division has kind of faded and is no longer as significant, but anything can happen. Uh, the Phillies are nine games back, the Marlins are 12 games back, and the Nationals are 25 and a half games back. So, not fantastic. Could be better, maybe could be worse. We're going to roll with it. In the NL West, the Dodgers, they are currently leading the pack with a record of 57-30. and Behind them are the Padres, who are eight and a half games back. So also a pretty significant lead, uh, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, Then we have the San Francisco Giants are 12 games out of first. Colorado Rockies, 18 games back. And the Diamondbacks are 19 games back. Now for my favorite division, uh, the NL Central. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers still manca- maintaining control of the top of the NL Central. Uh, they do have a record of 49-40. and 40, uh, And the Cardinals are only two games back, so still pretty tight. But for now, they have a nice little lead. The Pirates are 11 games back. The Chicago Cubs, 14.5 games back and the Cincinnati Reds are 15 and a half games back. So, you know, we're seeing uh, <laughs> we're seeing something uh, going on right now in this in baseball. So, I feel like this is always what you want to see happen before All-Star break. You want to have something kind of crazy. You want it to be interesting and fun to watch and exactly that is going on. And quickly to look at the color cast chat, uh, C McBride says, Yo, I hope we get into how the baseball world is upside down right now. The Orioles, Mariners, and Reds are all hot. What year are we already what year are we in again? And oh yeah, don't worry, I will be talking about it. Um I think let's honestly let's get into that topic first because it's one that I'm actually really excited about and really enjoy. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Orioles, Mariners, and Reds are hot. And if you're hearing that and you haven't been paying too much attention to baseball as of recent, uh, you would probably be shocked. Because how are they doing good? They're not the teams that really are, you know, dominating Major League Baseball in the past couple of years. They're usually the ones that are at the bottom of the division aren't really doing anything and are kind of just filler, sort of just, you know, packing peanuts in the shipping container that is their division, but we're seeing something really different. So, not only um in the AL East are we seeing every team there over 500, which, may I remind you, did happen earlier in the season with the NL West, but... We're over halfway through the season, and the fact that that's happening again is absolutely insanity, and in the division that we knew was going to be one of the, if not the, most competitive, so really exciting to see that. But the Orioles are the hottest team in baseball. Ten straight wins. That's crazy. Again, at this point in their schedule, you have to really, really give them credit, Um One of the coolest facts about that is that the last time the Orioles uh, had a, you know, 10 consecutive win streaks. um, Oh my gosh, sorry, let me rephrase that. The last time that the Baltimore Orioles uh, were trying to play for a 10-game winning streak, Cal Ripken Jr. was on the team. Uh, So, let's just, let's think about that. That's pretty crazy. They have just kind of been... One of our reliably bad teams in baseball where you almost can always count on the Orioles being bad, the Tigers being bad, the A's being bad. That's kind of, I feel like we have a couple there where you don't even think twice about it. You don't talk too much about what they have going for them. And if you do, you say, well, the Orioles have Adley Rushman. It's pretty exciting. And that's kind of it. And... We've known, too, that it seems like Baltimore isn't willing to put a lot into this program, into this team, and they're kind of just letting things happen, you know, making it a go, making it go at things. Um, but I think we weren't expecting the Orioles to be contenders anytime soon. They, I feel like, weren't really committed to being quite in a rebuild, but they also weren't Committed to competing, and they made that very clear. They weren't going to be putting a lot into these guys, into retaining them, making it a really rich, like, culture, getting something for fans to be excited about. The organization was doing none of that. I think we can all feel comfortable with me saying so. And to all of a sudden see this team that nobody thought could do well at all this season doing this great, and how they're this damn hot is just exceptional. What I also would like to point out is that I think I've been talking about how if the Orioles get hot, they, you kind of gotta worry for, worry about them. I've been talking about this for I don't know how long at this point, and I just kind of want to say, hey, maybe early on you thought I was thought I was joking. You maybe didn't want to take me too seriously because. How would the Orioles ever be a threat? Uh, what have you now? What have you say now? Because after the Brewers played the Orioles, which I think it was their second series of the season, I was like, they've got some good things happening here. Obviously, we all talk about uh, Castle, He's been phenomenal. Uh, somebody for me that I continuously talk about is Bruce, Zimmer- Bruce Zimmerman being a pretty solid starter and a pitcher who i thought had a lot of good stuff i thought their relievers were actually pretty great mostly i think having some command issues but really great velocity and power and i thought just good stuff overall having all their arsenals um beyond that though we knew that they had adley rushman and we were saying you know they have something going on there there's a chance that they can you know maybe make some magic happen but nobody was taking them too seriously but then now we see Odor's doing well. Ramon Urias, brother of the Milwaukee Brewers, Luis Urias. There's a lot happening there. That's great. And as uh, JJB mentions on Colorcast, I didn't have Hyde as AL Manager of the Year, and I don't think anybody did. So I would say if you some for some reason made any preseason bets that you know Hyde could be Manager of the Year in the American League. Uh, I'm excited for you, of course, where there's still a lot of season left, but even so, it is pretty ridiculous. So let's go back and read some more of these chats. On ColorCast, uh, on one hand, I'm happy for these teams getting hot, but on the other hand, this feels like the worst possible time for teams to go on, uh, for teams like this to go on a winning streak with the All-Star break coming up. Might halt their momentum real quick. Um, And this is something, too, I've talked about. I think it wasn't last episode, it might have been the one beforehand. I was talking about when your team gets hot and how comfortable are you with that. Because it kind of has two two topics in one. So my main focus was on at some point in the season, you're going to go on a winning streak. And at another point in the season you're going to go on a losing streak. You might have multiple, you might have only one or two. But you're it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's just part of the game with how many games you're playing. You play 162 games, a lot is going to happen. A lot is going to go down. And what I was talking about was the timing of those winning and losing streaks because it's kind of common knowledge you want to be going into a winning streak when you are close to Uh, The postseason. You want to be going in hot. You want to be really running on that momentum. You don't want to be doing anything that's halting it or stopping it. In the same way, even if you have a really great season and all of a sudden the last couple weeks of the regular season, maybe you know already you're going to the postseason and for some reason, though, those games, you start a losing skid. Or maybe you have back-to-back series losses. And there's kind of a funk that your whole team is in heading into the postseason, that's not good. (laughs) It's not great. That kind of kills your momentum and potentially could leave you in a really difficult position where are you going to be able to really play at your best in October if you kind of started to fall flat beforehand? Um, In the same way, this is how we saw teams like I have already mentioned, the Atlanta Braves uh, in 2021 and Washington Nationals in 2019. They were able to go on a run like they did because of having that sort of momentum going into the postseason. They got hot at the perfect time. And in turn, this kind of goes back to when I talked about the Mets and the Yankees and saying that if you don't go on a significant losing skid now, there's just a larger opportunity for you to do that later on the season. Same thing goes for the Dodgers, which also we talked about last episode, and I just think that it's kind of in the same thing of, yes, it's probably a bad opportunity for these teams to get hot, um, like the Orioles, Mariners, Reds, and then have the All-Star uh, break just completely stopping any of that momentum building up. But I still think it puts you in a good position because you're going to make like every team that you're going to be facing after All-Star break rethink their strategies against you a little bit. Maybe you're not going to still be that competitor or that true contender like you wish you could be. But in the same way, you're kind of becoming a weird threat that everybody, you know, may have thought, here we go, here we have an easy W, easy win, don't have to worry about too much here. And now they're thinking, well, we can't just waste a guy on this game. We don't want to waste any arms of the bullpen. We don't want to kind of, you know, test it here because what we may have thought initially was a sure win, is maybe anything but. So, that's kind of, like, some of my thoughts on it. I think there's still an opportunity for them to uh, bounce back and, you know, do the same thing and somehow find success, but it's just going to be interesting. I mean, I think if they can have this sort of taste of what it feels like, that's going to do a lot for them, and I don't know. We're going to see what happens with them there, but... I'm kind of all about it. Like I've mentioned before, I really like the chaos. I like when things like this happen in baseball or in sports in general. Because it just messes with everything everybody knows. And I like it. I mean, obviously, I don't like when it happens to my team. Like, if the Brewers all of a sudden had to face these three teams back to back to back and then went on a losing streak, I would not be happy at all. I'd be very sad. So... Sure, it's fun to watch this on the sidelines, and yes, the Orioles just demolished the Cubs. But besides that, we just still have to recognize that they're doing something good here, and you know, congrats to all of their managers. But yo, Hyde, watch out! You're we're, we've we've got you. We've got an eye on you now. Um, and so then to moving into this a little bit because we started talking about managers and managers of the year. JJB mentioned, um, also not to sidetrack, but these Blue Jays comments on Montoya are wild. And yeah, if you didn't see, uh their good old good old uh good old manager got booted and they had, I think, been going through a bit of a losing skid. And it already had been expected that maybe he wouldn't be sticking around for the whole season. But from a team that was supposed to be you know, contenders and kind of in control, potentially, of the AL East taking that top spot, it's definitely disappointing to see the season they've had. And I don't think it's necessarily all for naught, but I think there's still a chance for them to bounce back, and obviously they're kind of relying on this timing to be what helps them and be what kind of gives them an opportunity to still make a run at the al east i don't think i don't know if it's going to be possible but now i think you have to just shoot for a wild card spot and hope that you can get it and it's just so crazy to see this happen mid-season and it makes you just wonder what's going on with this team because they have a lot of talented players and a lot of great pieces but then they just can't seem to make it happen or get things to actually flow together and connect well they have really great offensive players. We have, like, you know, like I've talked about before. They've got Vladdy. They've got Boba Bichette. Kevin Biggio's been doing better as of late. Matt Chapman, etc. Oh, Alejandro Kirk. Um, but then your pitching is just underperforming to an extent of that your offense can't even save your game. So, you know, stressful, but and not ideal. But I guess this is what they had to do. Just to make it work. And I did realize too. um, I also had to talk about. Because we can't just skim over talking about. The Reds. And the um. (sighs) You know the Reds getting really hot too. And the Mariners. But the Reds specifically. Because of their wins against the Yankees. What the hell? You gotta love to see it. Um, And as C McBride said too. Yeah, I don't really like how the Reds got red hot at the Rays' expense. No one does, but hey, quite a storyline, though. You have to admit it. Um, and, ooh, JJB, talking about Charlie Montoya, uh, drops a quote from The Athletic, which, one of my favorite places to, you know, get some reading done. Uh, when you're 1-9, in you're looking for someone to come in and either kick you in the ass or bump you up. Just something. Some guidance, one player told The Athletic making a reference to the Jays' recent skid. And you could have it as players, for sure. And we did. But you do really need it coming from the top, and that just wasn't happening. And, I mean, from that alone, and just kind of, I think, from the general vibes I've been getting from the organization and the team, it just seems like there was this complacency with where the Blue Jays were at and how they are performing. And there wasn't this sort of... It didn't seem like they were too stressed about getting this fixed. At least from the team standpoint and the organization. Well, I'm assuming the players were like, hey, um, we want to contend. This is what we're here to do. So, it's again, one of those things that's for the best, but it's just really interesting to kind of see that happening at the top, and uh, I don't know, and again, JJB, great, great comment again, saying, That's like saying a movie wasn't funny, nor was it sad or scary. It merely existed. That's how the Blue Jays were kind of (laughs) existing uh, so far this season. So, I'm going to be interested in seeing if things can actually change post-All-Star break and if we're going to see a different-looking team or not. I really hope so because I think if that team is on fire, it could be one of the most exciting teams to watch in Major League Baseball. But if not, it's going to be a little scary. I don't know. Um. So, moving on to my next topic. And I've got a few things here, and I'm not going to be talking about, I think, what exactly people want to hear me discuss in regards to the All-Star roster. Because I got some bones to pick. <laughs> um, I don't just have things to say about, like my thoughts on the roster overall on the lineup and who's going to win, who's not going to win, um, because the American League team is probably going to win. Um, and, you know, shout out to Corbin Burns, Josh Hader for getting in. But here's where I'm kind of struggling. This is where I think I have been thinking about the All-Star game a lot. And it's because of the people's reaction to... Different things that are being introduced and implemented. So, as some people may know, we do have these legacy picks um, kind of congratulating these players on their career or, you know, just just acknowledging that aspect of it and bringing them into the game and putting them on the roster. So, we have Albert Pujols for the Cardinals and uh, Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers. So, one for the NL, one for the AL. and. People are mad about it, and here's my thing. The uh, This is what I just don't understand. Out of anything to be mad about in baseball, this is what you're upset about. And for me, the All-Star Game is fun. It's supposed to be a fun time. It's something that we all look forward to because it's just a very different kind of energy. You know, going into... <laughs> the middle of the season. And uh, I don't know. It kind of it kind of leaves me like speechless because what are you expecting? This is why I'm also somebody that's not for making, you know, whoever wins the All-Star game between American League and National League, them getting home field advantage in the World Series because it's a fun thing. It's a fun summer thing. We don't see anything like this in any other sport because, you know, the Pro Bowl for the NFL, people are like, fine. Um, I think the only really exception or comparable thing could be, you know, the NBA, All-Star Week, um, and even the NHL, but baseball just does it well. The Home Run Derby is so entertaining and so exciting. And they've made the game really fun lately, too, with all the guys mic'd up and getting these opportunities to have these guys being interviewed on the field. It's all a fun thing. Also, fans decide who gets in. It's literally a popularity contest. It's not anything greater than that. So, why are we getting pressed that MLB, that they want to honor exceptional players who have been part of this game for so damn long, and have made a huge impact on it. Now we're mad? Now we're mad about this? And JGB on ColorCast said, like, the MLB is ass about promoting players, and now when they do, you're mad. Excuse me? Uh, yep. I mean, I couldn't put it, pretty any-, I couldn't put it any better than that. And that's exactly it. You're making these picks that are about personality and character and who they are as players, but then... When the MLB does it on their own terms, now we have a problem with it, now we're angry! I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense to me. And I think it's fine. It's a fun thing! I could understand if this was something really serious and maybe you were like, okay, why did they get to make that decision? Why are they the ones coming up with this? Sure. But it's a fun thing! Why are you so mad? And I feel like it's just sometimes baseball fans trying to find something to be upset about and something to be angry about because, you know, why the hell not? That's just sometimes how we do it. But I just, I for one, do not get it. And here's my second point. Here's the other thing I really wanted to talk about because it's not as significant in that regard, but there is a big snub. And I don't know if anybody in the chat can. Guess it before I say it, good for you. But there is a, somebody who I think got an appearance All-Star, uh, got like the title of being an All-Star, taken away from them unfairly. Not really, because they never got in the first place. So there was a player who I think is extremely deserving of being an All-Star and just did not get the nod. And... I get it. A lot of guys aren't going to because it is popularity, and that's why you're seeing most of them in there. Of course, there are a lot of guys who are really talented, like Alejandro Kirk, Aaron Judge, you know. There's there's a lot of talent in there. There's way more even than I'm mentioning there, too, like Manny Machado, Mike Trout, etc., you name it. But it also is kind of focused on the most popular players, Ronald Acuna Jr., too. Like, you're seeing those really popular players getting in there, and... Because that's what people want. You want to see your guys um, up there. And, you know, the people who, I guess, you know, often make baseball the most exciting because they have this personality or they play for a big team or they're known for being, like, one of the best players on earth. You know, there's a multitude of reasons why guys get voted in. Um, (laughs) I also see, sorry, JJB mentioning in the chat, Zach Wheeler. Um... And so here's my thing. It is always a little disappointing when you're in a small market and it's just a lot harder to get your guys in. Obviously, there's no Brewers position players. And of course, there are very limited spots, so I can't get too pressed about it. There's nobody who's like, I would say, a clear favorite to get in there. I'd say like Willie Adamas has been having a great season. And the thing is, though, there's a lot of other great shortstops uh, in the National League this year, too, so I can't get too upset. But here's my deal. Here's my deal. So, obviously, Corbin Burns is having a ridiculous season, so he gets in as a Brewer. Then Josh Hader, also having a ridiculous season, also gets in as a Brewer. Then we have a really electric reliever, um, not always coming in for those closing positions in the ninth inning. But, you know, is in there on, you know, later in the game, often in really tight, stressful situations, has a lot of energy, has a lot of flair, and has had uh, 25 scoreless innings um, in a row. No All-Star. Not an All-Star. Apparently not. Uh extremely popular player who has one of the best pitches in baseball and potentially one of the most absur- absurd change-ups of all time. No? Okay. Yeah, so Devin Williams is snubbed. and For any of my Brewers fans, you're going to really know this one because that's kind of the biggest thing right now on Brewers Twitter is talking about how he was snubbed and deserved to get in. To the point where the Brewers are even tweeting about it and tagging MLB saying, like, hey, are you going to ignore this now? You're going to ignore what he's doing here? Like, we're not going to pay attention to this, are we? So, I'm just upset about it. And it's not to say that there aren't guys who are more deserving because Josh Hader um, isn't going to be playing in the game. He still gets the all-star nod, but when he decided to, you know, not be in the lineup... Another guy gets pulled in and I don't know, it's just upsetting because why aren't we giving some of these players as a respect they deserve? And it's upsetting. I feel like it just it just doesn't make sense to me. And I mean I'm sure some non-druwerist fans or you know, guys who potentially don't like Devin Williams for some reason, one reason or another, might have a better explanation for me, but it's just really upsetting to see you have one of the hottest pitchers right now. That comes in in relief in these really difficult situations and scenarios where it's so important for the game whether or not they can come through. And he's not an all-star. Again, I think he kind of completely blew uh, Pitching Ninja's mind because of his airbender. People know that pitch now. People can just simply talk about and hear the airbender. And know what's being referred to. Like, people really just know it. And that's crazy. Just one pitch, kind of changing the terminology and way we're talking about. Just just this one player. It's absurd. Because it started out from being like, "Well, what is this alien pitch? What's this crazy thing that's happening here? What's this ridiculous changeup, I guess? And Pitching Ninja branded it as the Airbender. And... Things have never been the same. Give the guy credit. Recognize what he's doing and what he's doing for baseball. It's a big thing to talk about now on Twitter. I would say it's one of the biggest things that got me into Pitching Ninja um, during the season of waiting to see, ooh, Williams just threw a nasty pitch. Can't wait for him to post that because it was on a strikeout or something like that. And I don't know. And this is where Hungry Takes on uh, Colorcast brings up The point I was going to address, Um, one thing I have always wondered is why pitchers are not included in a fan vote, but only position players are. Not saying I want it, but it always puzzled me. And that's where I feel about it, too. I think for the most part, we are kind of seeing those guys in there and getting the recognition that they deserve. But at the same time, it's like, why aren't we getting an opportunity to vote guys in there? Because why can we do one but not the other? Like, it almost doesn't really track for me. Um, And this is where I want to look at and talk about pitching. So um, specifically, let's go through really quickly. Um, Oh, okay. R.C. Milton mentions, would middle relievers get votes? I think depending. I mean, I don't think you vote specifically for that. You just vote for pitchers or relief pitchers. Because that's what he's included in. That's what he's drafted in for fantasy baseball. You don't draft him as a middle reliever. I think... I mean, unless I'm very incorrect about people knowing who Devin Williams is and what he does for baseball, um, then, you know, uh, whatever. But you would just vote him in as a pitcher. I don't think you need to vote him in as anything else specifically, but let's just let's just look through really quickly. Um, for the American League... Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays, Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays, Framber Valdez of the Astros, Martin Perez of the Rangers, Paul Blackburn of the Athletics, Justin Verlander of the Astros, Eric Cole of the New York Yankees, Shohei Otani of the LA Angels, Clay Holmes of the Yankees, Emmanuel Clase, oof, sorry, of the Guardians. Gregory Soto of the Tigers, and Jorge Lopez of the Orioles. And in the National League, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, Corbin Burns, of the Milwaukee Brewers, Luis Castillo of the Reds, Max Fried of the Braves, Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers, Joe Musgrove of the Padres, Edmund Diaz of the Mets, Josh Hader of the Brewers, Ryan Hesley of the Cardinals, David Bednar of the Pirates, and Joel Mantiple of the Diamondbacks. And this is where I mentioned, too, so Edwin Diaz, I believe, got in after Josh Hader decided to um, not be playing in the All-Star game. And this is, I think, where a lot of people got mad, including myself, of saying, okay, yeah, why not slot Devin Williams in there? But, I mean, I think you just have it, like, It's in the same way that you vote for outfielders for the All-Star game or on the ballot. You just vote for outfielders. You don't have to vote for a specific center fielder, a specific left fielder, a specific right fielder. You just vote for outfielders. So having a vote where you have starting pitchers and then relief pitchers, because technically that's just anybody who comes in in relief. So I don't know. I think that there should be... Something happening there, and there just isn't. And Hungry Takes also says MLB is the only sport I can think of where you see players win an MVP some years and don't even make the All Star team, and it's just true. And I think obviously we have a pretty big team, or I mean a pretty big league with a lot of players, like a big salad, lots of players, lots of stuff in it. Um, we have a huge league with a ton of players, but you gotta find ways to give these guys some credit and recognize what they do and what they're contributing to the sport, and especially the energy they bring, the way they get fans excited, stuff like that. Don't you want to kind of reward those guys? I don't know. That's one thing I have to say about that. Um, and, all right, so before we kind of get finished up, for this I wanted to actually go through um a few of my um bets that I've made today for today's games because I thought this might be a fun thing to start talking about more on my show every week because I like sports betting I think it can be really fun when done safely and responsibly uh so I want to kind of talk about a few of those things and while my um draft slips are loading Or my bed slip, sorry, are loading. Um, I wanted to talk about how um, Hungry Takes said on ColorCast, has there been a rationale for how William Contreras made the team at DH outside of he and his brother playing together? Honestly, I had not um, heard anything beyond that. But I know early on in um, vote-getting, like I'd say one of the first times they released voting numbers He was really high up there for DH, so that's the only thing I've been aware of. Um, So I think he was kind of just up there in terms of voting numbers, which did seem surprising to me at first, and still kind of is surprising to me, but, you know, what say you? What have I, what have I to say? (laughs) Um, But... I'm actually, I was in the process of finishing up this one, um, single game parlay, so I'm gonna do it real quick, um, just picking somebody who I want to drop in here to get a home run. You know, let's do it. Um, so I'm gonna do a, you know, just a cute little, uh, three game, or (laughs) three pick parlay. Um, but... Um and uh, hungry take says, ah, gotcha. Uh, it just puzzled me too because his stats weren't even strong, and I think it's really valid. Um, but that was the only thing I did notice was that uh, he did have a lot of votes, which kind of surprised me because I would have expected other DHs to, you know, be receiving more votes than him. But you know, big fan base. Uh, gotta give it credit. But yeah. I mean, you're obviously a Braves fan, too, which is, you know, funny it, just to be like, hey, what? Why is this happening? Um, but, okay, let's go through and look at some of my bets for the day. So I have one pitching uh, strikeout over-under parlay, and I believe two um, single-game parlays. So let's go through them and let's talk about them. Um... For my single game parlays, I'll do those first. Um, One's a four-pick parlay, the other's a three-pick parlay. And I'm going to be talking about some specific, I think, picks within those parlays that I would say I'd look out for today or would, you know, maybe recommend going for. And this is where I mention, listen, I think we can all... I, I'm not the best with betting, but a lot of it really is just like Luck and having things going right. So sometimes, you know, your bets are as good as mine. Your bets are way better than mine, but it is you know paying attention to what's going on there. And Josh says, "Did someone say betting?" Yeah, I did. And can you believe I'm going to be giving some? I'm not giving advice. I'm just saying these are things that I will be betting on. Um, I did notice. I found one of my new favorite uh, in-game bets. And it's the, uh, pitch speed that's where it's saying, okay, like, let me open up this one that I got, I got this on, I was pretty excited. Um, first pitch from Shane McClanahan, um, in, uh, Jeter, or, yeah, Jeter Down's second plate appearance in the sixth inning. So, live bet. Um, 84 point, uh... 9.5 Nine five miles per hour or faster, and I said no. I got it. So I really like the like live plate appearance bets, but this pitching bet, I really like these. I really like the just pure speed based or like miles per hour uh, pitching bets. So I'm going to be making more of those tonight, and there's going to be a lot of good pitching today. So I'll definitely recommend pointing out to some of these as well. But again, I'm no expert, but it's fun to talk about. And it's fun to explain why I'm doing this. So here we go. Um, my first parlay, single game parlay or same game parlay, um, is the Cincinnati Reds at the New York Yankees. So a game we had been talking about previously. And here are some of the ones that I went for. So, you know, call me crazy. And I will call myself crazy because I don't know why I want to go with it. But Reds are hot. I'm sticking with it. You know, probably going to be not good for me, but why not? I like, it's fun to bet against the Yankees, so we're betting against the Yankees. Um, So Cincinnati Reds, money line. Um, Jonathan India, two total bases, because why not? Aaron Judge to hit a home run, because again, why not? And Luis Castillo throwing seven plus strikeouts. So obviously, not necessarily, I don't know. The odds, I think, for it were uh, plus 3,000, so not necessarily great, but I like it. I think it's fun. I think we've seen a lot of stuff that could, I think from these players, that would make sense of it. Um, Luis Castillo has had some really great games as of late. Um, I can pull back up some of his lines recently, um, because I was really impressed by him and how he's been doing. Um, In his past couple of outings. So um, his last game against the Tampa Bay Rays, he threw eight strikeouts. Um, His game before that, his start before that, he threw six against Atlanta. And um, against the Chicago Cubs, he threw 11. So my whole thing with it is that he's pretty hot right now. And he's being discussed a lot in terms of him being on the chopping block or on the trade block. So I like the idea of him having a big night against the Yankees. And the Reds continuing their little streak against them. Um, Jonathan India has been super hot. So I feel like saying that he might get two bases tonight is pretty safe. He can be a stolen base threat um, as well. So he's just it's just a good thing to watch for. So I thought, why not throw that in there? Um, the thing too with Luis Castillo and throwing um, seven plus strikeouts. Part of it is that the Yankees, um, in their past, I believe... I forget exactly how many games. Um, Within their last, I want to say, ten games. Here, I'm pulling it up right now just so I can make sure. Um, Oh no, last three? Okay, yeah. So, last three. um, And last one, period. Uh, So, last game, uh, the Yankees struck out a ton. And in their last three, um, they are ranked, I believe, they have struck out the fifth most in baseball as a whole. So they've been swinging and missing a lot and, you know, a lot of strikeouts for them. And especially too, surprisingly, um, at home, they do strike out a good deal. So not the very most in baseball, but still enough. They're about at that halfway point. And a lot of those separations aren't by anything huge um, compared to, like, the last, last game, last three games, you name it. So I'm just saying keep an eye out for it. Uh, they're not going to strike out all the time, but given how they've done their past three games, I think it's pretty good to guess that a hot pitcher like Luis Castillo, who's been consistently good and tends to throw a lot of strikeouts, I think it's a safe bet um, to put him on that. And then Aaron Judge getting a home run because Aaron Judge hits home runs. So, some of my thoughts, but moving on, let's do this quick little three-pick same-game parlay. Detroit Tigers versus the Cleveland Guardians. Um, I have Cleveland Guardians money line because, again, they've also been hot. Um, Tristan McKenzie strikeouts thrown, 6+. plus. Again, I'm feeling it. I like his stats as of late, and I think he has it in him, especially against the Tigers. And then I have Fernando Reyes hitting a home run. Why not? I'm, I'm all about it. So then, I will also talk about some of my favorite parlays to make. And, you know, they hit every so often, and I like to make them a lot harder on myself because, you know, who. Let, let, let's make winning a little bit more difficult so then when you win or when that parlay lands, it's even better. Um, so it's a five pick. Um, strikeout kind of parlay, and I think I went all overs for this, which doesn't always do me a favor, but there are a few in here I did want to point out that I think if you want to do it in maybe a same game parlay or just as a standalone bet, there might be a few good ones that I would specifically look at. So, um, tonight, uh, I have Kyle Wright, um, who is pitching tonight. For the Atlanta Raves against the Washington Nationals, over four and a half strikeouts thrown. Uh, Luis Castillo, over six and a half strikeouts thrown. So again, that's why I also did that in that parlay. So I would maybe take note of that. That is just around his average. So might not be the best going for the over there. Could be safe going for the under, but I'm feeling risky over. Um, Drew Rasmussen um, pitching tonight for the Tampa Bay Rays against the Boston Red Sox. Over uh, four and a half strikeouts thrown. Then we have um, Dakota Hudson of the St. Louis Cardinals pitching against the LA Dodgers. Over two and a half. Listen. That's just one of those that he doesn't tend to throw a lot of strikeouts, um, I will admit. But it was still like looking at those lines, it almost didn't make sense to me because he hasn't been that awful as of late. I know it's mostly hinging on the Dodgers not striking out a ton, but two and a half? I don't know. I think it's pretty likely. So in his past three games, um, his last start against Philly, he threw four strikeouts. Last start against Atlanta threw two, um, or recorded two strikeouts. Um, forgive me. And in his start before that against Miami, he recorded three strikeouts. So... I kind of like the odds there, so I think it's an easy two-and-a-half over. I I don't see why not. Um, And then finally, um, in the—let's go over to the AL West. Um, I have Martin Perez uh, throwing over four-and-a-half strikeouts. Um, He is starting for the Texas Rangers against the Seattle Mariners. I did want to go with Gonzalez on that one, but I decided let's go with Perez. He's been hot why not? Let's do it. So that's going to kind of cut it for me tonight. So again, I will not advertise me being a sports betting person. There are much better people on this app and on you know, anywhere to listen to their betting advice. Again, Bojo and Mark. Josh and Mark. Always fun to talk betting with and part of the reason I think I got really into it. Um, But at the end of the day, it's just, just some of my little predictions. You can Totally hate on them, totally con on them, and tell me how awful they are, and that's fine. You can also go, hey, not awful. I I could see, it, could see it panning out because, at the end of the day, who knows? That's what is so fun about it, and you know the fun thing about gambling. But I think that's gonna do it for today. So thank you guys all for tuning in. Um, I appreciate it so much, and I'll be back next week, hopefully with something similar. I don't know if it'll be at this time or another time, but i'll be back so thank you guys all so much uh have a great rest of your day go brewers